delayed our uh, podcast for a, a week or two because the virus was already an increasing story and RHI report was coming out last Friday um, so we thought well let's hit a couple of big issues rather than uh, crawling around on the on the smaller ones. We're on the phone today because Owen is in splendid isolation. Yeah yeah but my little boy is a cough but um he always has a cough, really, but by the letter of advice of the advice, we have to stay at home. So I don't know. It looks like I might have to spend the rest of the year at home if every every two weeks he has a cough. I have to take off. And your and your wife, who's of course working in the in the health sector. So yeah, well, well, they're down a doctor as well. So there we oh, go. Okay. Well, we'll we'll come back to the virus um, uh, towards the end because I think we want to start with the RHI report and look mm-hmm. at what's come out of that. I must admit, I haven't made a great effort to read the 600-odd pages. My approach was to go straight to the recommendations, because in real terms, this was always a problem waiting to happen, and RHI, by its scale, brought it to the fore, but it could have happened and was happening in other departments as well. Yes, um, the 600 pages are full of detail, you know, it, it's mainly detail that was covered in the evidence sections uh, of the of the inquiry anyway, so really the recommendations and uh, the summary of the evidence is, is where the important factor are brought out. But what struck me about the, the report is the kind of moderate language that it was couched in, you know, the sort of headline finding of the report was that there was no corrupt or malicious activity which is okay but even in its recommendations and in its criticisms Sir Patrick Coughlin was very careful with his language and for that reason I just wonder whether really the changes that need to be made are going to be implemented or whether we're just in for more of the same really. Well I think to be fair to Sir Patrick it's not his job to be angry or to be emotional or in any way to hype it up. I mean, his job was to present the facts in their cold, natural state, and it's for others to pick up that information and do what is necessary. Um, I think what 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 has struck me afterwards is uh, Jim Allister, who I think was already planning a number of, because uh, I think the the outcomes were largely self-evident from the evidence that that we watched on on television, and I'm sure Jim had a keen uh, legal eye on that throughout, um, that he brought his private member's bill almost immediately in at the start of the week. And I thought it was interesting that the DUP just shrugged their shoulders and said, we'll accept this, we'll accept these changes. But Sinn Féin, who for the past three years has been talking about an end to secrecy, about respect, about change has to happen um, are the ones who are fundamentally opposing that bill? Well, I suppose in, in, in just in that little incident, we saw how seriously to take uh, Sinn Féin's kind of bona fides because, yes, they've exploited this crisis for all it was worth. And indeed, they, they brought down Stormont on the pretext that this was the reason that they were coming out or certainly that Arlene Foster hadn't um, stepped aside to allow it to be investigated. But we all know that that was was just a pretext, and they soon dropped that pretext and started focusing on other on other issues. So that's not a surprise. I mean, I, I take your point about Sir Patrick Coughlin. He has to, to present these things in, in sort of neutral terms. Um, I do 
think that if we were perhaps in another uh, part of the UK, in terms of the kind of feelings in the Northern Ireland civil service that it's brought out, we might be looking at a royal commission or at least some kind of uh, plan to have a written branch reform of that service. I'm not entirely sure that's true. I mean, we've seen the uh, sex abuse scandals in in Rotherham, Oxford, in many towns in in England. uh, Mm. And Rotherham only came out because someone stood up and was prepared to be counted. Uh, But there hasn't really been uh, a significant... Uh, amount of change uh, evident in how things are done and indeed there's great pushback within the Home Office for the release of the uh, inquiry or the uh, internal report Mm. that has been commissioned on Rotherham and the like so it kind of relies on public outrage and 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 a willingness for the media to focus on the issues and be honest about the issues. Um, I don't think the for the peace process stuff can really continue. The DUP ha- can't just simply keep accepting stuff to keep the show on the road. Uh, you know, I mean, the RHI was a biggie, but the, the current finance minister didn't exactly cover himself in glory in the Northern Ireland Water Tobacco when he was infrastructure minister. Um, you yeah. know, we, we've had the uh, fines from Europe for not being able to count or properly prove uh, the basis on which we hand out farm grants. There have been plenty of examples before RHI uh, and indeed and we'll, we'll come back to this in terms of the health service, you know, we've talked before about there having been three or maybe four reports to date on what reform is needed and nothing happens. You know, one of the things from RHI uh, and maybe it will get smothered by uh, current health uh, crisis uh, that um, doing th- you know, and and funnily enough it was Sinn Fein who put it forward you know doing things the same you know carrying on as we were is not going to be acceptable uh, and in RHI mm. that's as true as anything else so we need a fundamental look across the board in terms of the civil service uh, it, because it's, it, it's something um, that is wider than RHI, but I think the the, the issue, uh, the wider issue that RHI highlighted quite effectively was Stormont's attitude to public money. And I mean, the, the, the bit of the report that, that kind of interested me because I'd, I'd written about this um, before was the references to lack of understanding of the, of the uh, flaws by deputy ministers. But as far as I could see, the main misunderstanding among officials, certainly ministers to an extent as well, and SPADs, was that RHI would be paid for, or they thought it would be paid for um, by Westminster, and the culture was to view AME funding, the funding that came directly from Westminster, as free money. So none of the issues that came up would have been particularly worrisome to anybody at Stormont had it not suddenly become apparent that if this wasn't normal AME funding, this was going to have to come out of the Northern Ireland block grant. And that's really the kind of key cultural change that you could be aiming to um, to, to, to sort of bring out of this. But, I mean, I, I don't believe that that will happen. I'm, I'm sure nobody else has a strong um, kind of optimism that it will happen either. Well, I think the difficulty in believing that that kind of attitude is going to change 
lies principally in the fact that the new decade new approach has been almost based on give us more money uh, yes. you know the, the great cry is we haven't got enough money i thought it was a bit absurd one of the lines coming from uh the finance minister was that we can't do our budget on, unless we know we have more money uh well unless you have a budget how are you justifying the need for more money to the Treasury. Um, I, I think it just seems to be somewhat the wrong way round, because the Treasury might well say, but how do you know you haven't got enough money? Uh, maybe, there might, maybe they might be a bit reluctant, because the Treasury might turn around and say, do you really need to do all of those things that you're spending that money on? Uh, yes. Because, you know, I can't believe within our budgets that there isn't a fair degree of um, if not excessive spending, spending on stuff inefficiently. Yeah, I mean, it's a backward way of doing budgeting, isn't it? Because um, what you should be looking at is the amount of money that you've got and what you can do with it. Um, and and maybe, maybe you start off with certain ambitions and then you have to scale them back. But it just seems to be that he's got a figure in mind he can't even start to work on his uh, to work on anything else well, um, maybe, until maybe, he achieves uh, that i mean perhaps this has been noticed by by westminster because of course in the new decade new approach there is that reference to you know, a new review group that's going to be looking at the northern ireland spent uh, and budgets and i noticed quietly one of the points from sunak's budget was that they were going to put some treasury departments around the regions. I'm wondering if that isn't to actually review at a more senior level the, the, you know, the expenditure that's going on in the devolved administrations. Yeah, absolutely. And you wouldn't um, envy the auditors or accountants who end up in those departments their job because uh, it'll cause some frictions, and quite rightly yeah. so. If we come now to, to our present um, state of the country uh, and uh, take this from RHI, perhaps, you know, from, from, from uh, industry over to, over to the health service. I mean, again, we've talked before about the number of proposals uh, or the attempts to bring in reform. Uh, and we're sitting with a, a health crisis and a health service that hasn't been reformed, that isn't in the best of health itself. I'm, I'm not going to turn around and, uh, and, and criticise the health workers who, are, who do so much, um, but you know, have they got the management and administration and structure uh, within which to work to the optimal at this time? And that comes back to our politicians once again, because everybody has known what needs to be done with the health service for what, 20 years now? Um, and nothing has happened to any great extent. The odd hospital here, the odd uh, change there, uh, but not on the level or scale that needs to have been done to get the Northern Ireland uh, Health Service fit for purpose. Well, that's right. And I do think that a lot of the problems that the Health Service run up against are... Um, sort of find it in management and the, the, the fact that that element of it isn't right and a lot of the inefficiencies arise there as well. And noticed, um, just as you 
say that. Uh, you know, Robin Swan was speaking earlier about how things would now happen very quickly in the health service that we've been waiting for years to happen. And I'd be interested just to see exactly how that will play out. Are we talking about the kind of institutional reforms that we've uh, that, that, that we've had in, in several reports? I mean, I, I would imagine that in a crisis of, of this scale that it's very difficult to put kind of massive changes, uh, institutional changes through like that. But, you know, let, let's see what he's talking about in, in terms of that, because, but, I mean, I, I'm mm. sure that he's, he's, he's very uh, sort of honestly raising that and, and, and wants to tackle it, but whether he'll be allowed to do so by the rest of his executive colleagues, I, you know. But I, I think it comes back that we need to deal with the crisis as it is and w- with what we've got. I mean, the, the, and the, any resource there, and, and I said part of the struggle of much of the staff at the front line is because they're not working in the best of structures. They're not working with the clear lines that perhaps they could have in a reform system. So putting, well, they, putting they, that... They, they have, sorry, they, they, have, they have massive problems in, in terms of their rotas, in terms of uh, getting sort of clear direction out of um, out of management, uh, getting decisions taken, you know, get, getting rotas changed, getting people even to understand the problems that they have in the front line. So, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I was going to take that to the next point, is that whatever we need to do now, you know, Robin Swan has got to start looking, amongst all the other issues that must be coming across his table, is coming out of this and really making sure that the works on reform starts immediately because this crisis has come very quick. And I know some people think that in the next, you know, we're shutting down for 12 weeks or maybe the summer and then it's all over. I get the impression that this isn't going to be over any time soon. I mean, up to 18 months has been talked about. So, you know, whatever comes out, you've got to very quickly get the reforms started, make sure that there's the capacity to make those reforms effective and be better prepared the next time. Because I just think there's going to be a next time. Well, even um, even if we are coming out of it in twelve weeks, or coming past the, the worst of it, and yes, that seems unlikely. We came into it with massive waiting lists and massive problems, yeah. and all of those, of course, will have got worse, worse. in the meantime. Yeah. And there will be this backlog of people needing treatment, and we just can't afford not to have things reformed and not to streamline things and not to get things working better because otherwise we could be looking at um, you know years and years of of, uh, of further turmoil and even worse turmoil than what we've uh, experienced so far uh, yes there, there's not going to be any disagreement at this end of the phone it comes back that you know not just in the house I think across the board uh, Stormont has got to wake up and understand that going along as we have before, simply expecting money to drop out of the Whitehall uh, money pot. It's not going to go go like that at all. You've got to step up and actually run the country so that we have good government. Yes, and, and, and to do that, you have to have um, a kind of sense of common purpose. And the start of this um, uh, of this crisis or, or the way that it's moved over the last week really has to, to have you, you know, putting your, putting your head in your hands in, in despair at the prospect of that ever happening because you know, we had the executive making a decision on, um, on, on schools in line with the chief medical officer's advice and then we had a vicious campaign oh. 
um, from Sinn Féin to undermine that advice because it wasn't in line with the Republic of Ireland government's uh, advice. And retrospectively, we've seen all kinds of ways of, of attempts to spin that, but um, there was no new evidence presented by uh, Michelle O'Neill to justify this decision. It was all about North Ireland strategy. So even though Northern Ireland had and, and still has uh, a lot fewer cases by head of uh, population than the Republic and is at, at a different stage. So, you know, if, if that's going to be politicised to that extent and so cynically, what chances are there of people pulling together and making difficult decisions in the interests of... Well, agreed, of and I think we can we, we can extend that even further into what is loosely described as civic society, which again, if you, I, mean, I don't know how that's particularly defined, but the trade unions certainly see themselves mm. as a central part of that. And you know, if the fill your boots attitude at Stormont um, has been remarked upon, trade unions seem to be constantly of the same view, that they're simply a money pit that they can dip into and uh, demand more uh, at every opportunity and are possibly one of the biggest uh, blockages and change in Northern Ireland, uh, along with that third sector that simply exists uh, on the basis of public sent sector funding. We have a whole industry um, around our political system and that industry seemed to manage to keep going throughout the, the time that, that Stormont uh, wasn't operating as well. That's one area in terms of public money where you could probably start to save an awful lot of, of cash that could go directly into actually important public services. And we haven't really talked about the, the nature and spread of the virus, but I don't think there's a lot to... you. Know, I think everybody's aware. Uh, and I think we'd have to simply join in with all the official advice and, and simply telling people to stay well, keep safe, and keep an eye out for neighbours. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and be sensible. Uh, I have to say, I've been out a couple of times in the past day or two, and, and, and there is a degree of calm about it at the moment, which I think is a good thing. Hopefully that panic stations mode... Um, has gone, and that we're going to see a bit more, uh, a, a more reasonable and responsible so. approach to what are going to be difficult weeks and months ahead. I must admit, I've been sort of uh, avoiding supermarkets since the uh, since the panic buying started, so I'm not qualified to speak about whether that's calmed down or not. But I certainly hope so. Three cheers for many of the local shops uh, who were very quick uh, to bring in. Uh, marginal controls but of course who know their customers so much better and have been able to look out for people uh, an awful lot more effectively than the big chains absolutely okay on uh, enjoy your isolation and uh, <laughs> i'm sure you're going to get lots of work done now that you're you're in, at home now, so. now that i've got two children of under <laughs> five at home with me yes <laughs> you, you may think that all right take care we'll speak soon Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye.